if there's one thing that you could change about Toronto, what would it be? Easy. The TTC. <laughs> People in these streets be wildin', okay? It's making me miss the Durham region. For real. <laughs> <laughs> Hey y'all, it's Onika and JR and you are dishing with Dainty Dish. How you doing JR? I'm doing fantastic. How are you Onika? I am great. So what you been up to? Uh, I've been working but I've been, the TTC is still getting on my nerves. I spent 30 minutes sitting in a train at Kennedy Station uh, two days ago. Today I spent another 20 minutes just sitting on a train uh, between Kennedy and Castle Frank. Um, yeah, it was. That's not- crazy. I'm having a problem with TTC buses and the people that are on them. Like, like the I was on the 75 because I was I had to, I had therapy today, so it was it's mental health day for me in my life, and um, I was on the 75 and. Th- this woman just like so entitled says to the bus driver you hit me with the door she's supposed to be behind the yellow line yeah. you hit me with the door you should warn people that you're going to open the door like it yeah. was ridiculous then some old guy chimed in and he's like i've got places to go and the guy sitting down beside him all of a sudden says stop yelling in my ear like it was a shit show it was literally a five minute ride and that all happened in five minutes five minutes it was a five minute ride shit you not you know it's crazy that you're, you're talking about how human how people are on the bus i'm reading the book uh, sapiens right now about um human nature and the and you the, were telling me and how you know oh homo sapiens and all the other humanite human type creatures that used to live on the earth how you know we as humans got rid of them and <laughs> kind of became the only ones left and how you know religion has developed and you know culture and and just how we live and it kind of strips away everything and and, and it kind of just it makes me say wow that's all it that's makes it. me say we're literally all kinds of crazy yeah that's <laughs> That's a good segue into the episode today. We are doing it's the second Wednesday of the month and it is all kinds of crazy. Yeah. And, you know, we had some great feedback uh, with our guests last month. So we've decided to do another guest this month. Of course. And we have her here with us. It is Nadine Thornhill. Say hi to everyone, Nadine. Hello, everyone. So did you want to weigh in? I saw you laughing at my story about the TTC. Did you have any horrible TTC stories you wanted to tell? All right. So I don't have a horrible TTC story to tell because uh, last week I was in Ottawa. So I have a horrible OC Transpo story to tell, which is the Ottawa equivalent of TTC. I was on the bus with my son. We were going to visit some friends. And uh, it's the 95. Those of you in Ottawa will know. I know the 95. You know the 95. I I lived in Ottawa. So I'm there. And like it's rush hour. So it's crowded. We're all packed in and there is you know this this young person much younger than me doing that like young person thing that I think we all did at the time where it's like oh it's negative 20 outside but I need to be cool and I need to be doing my thing so I'm not gonna wear a coat (laughs) (laughs) right like I did it I did it like I'm not here to judge that but she was sick and I'm like well that's what happens when you don't want to wear a coat in the winter time she coughed in my mouth oh, like wow. right in my mouth like did not cover her face did not even make wow. an attempt it was just like <laughs> that's where that goes in your face um so 
So that you, is awful. And you got sick, didn't you? And I you? got sick. So your listeners may hear me coughing and sniffling a bit because, of course, this bitch got me sick. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, if you don't want to wear a coat, that's one thing. Like, that's you and your life. But, like, don't bring your foolishness into my life and my immune system. But it happened. <laughs> it happened. It so even Ottawa Transit's got some work to do. Yeah, it's, it's people. Just, yeah, it's, it's people. Just, it's just people. You know, I think when you're just... In, in a sufficiently you have a sufficiently large group of people in a sufficiently small confined space, you're just gonna encounter some nonsense. Yeah, so true, so yeah. true. Yeah. Oh, but Nadine, what a welcome! <laughs> what a welcome! What a story! I'm already this, I'm super enjoying this so much already. Um, I know we're gonna get serious in a minute, but um, just thank you so much for coming on the show. We really, really appreciate your presence here. Thank Absolutely you for having do. me. I love podcasts, so you know this is like dream come true for me. <laughs> <laughs> for all of us. Yes, uh, it's we're living the dream we're living yeah. it yeah. we're absolutely. living the dream we absolutely are so um i'm gonna throw it over to jr i know he has some questions for you um well before we get into those questions oh, i have sorry. that cur- i have a curveball that some people liked that we did last week <gasps> Ooh, okay. oh yeah i forgot so, about that uh, my bad so in our first episode we did uh something called 21 questions oh okay um so one of the questions from that episode was if you could live if you pick one thing that you cannot live without. No, one luxury. Oh, one lu- Yeah, See? Yeah, you pick, yeah, you, you pick one. Ahead. So pick one luxury. One thing that's a luxury that you couldn't live without. One thing that is a luxury that I could not live without. Okay. Is it my phone? No, I could live without my phone. I wouldn't like it, but I could live without it. Um. You know what? My bed. I, I, my bed is amazing. I've spent so much time over the years, like curating the components of my bed. I have like the perfect for me mattress. I have these pillows that have gel, like they have gel pillow. They're gel pillows, so they stay cool on the one side, and then oh, they're wow. propped up with another like super big fluffy down pillow. And I have like my perfect comforter and the frame is one of those like hard frames so I can sit up against my bed like against the the headboard of my bed and read like no I'm not like yeah I need my bed I need my bed that bed sounds amazing I think I need your bed it's one of my favorite places (laughs) on earth come over to my house you can hang out in my bed with me because it's queen sized yes yeah yes to that yeah my bed is lit (laughs) (laughs) so with all kinds of crazy, the whole concept is we talk to somebody about uh, their mental health and their their story, their journey, um, how they've overcome any type of uh, trial or tribulation that they've been through. So for you, uh, I guess we want to start with what was life like growing up, um, going to school, family life? Uh, and I guess this is before you recognized there was any type of... Um, mental health, health, health issue. issue okay yeah. um so i grew up uh just outside of toronto so i grew up in a suburb ajax pickering that area and i oh, was what? yeah holla. Mm-hmm. um i was an only child 
And I grew up, you know, growing up, I was very imaginative and creative. I was always, you know, pretending and I loved to draw. Um, I loved to put on little plays. And I was, yeah, I, and I was also very emotional. So, you know, whenever anything happened, you know, I was either, you know, at a hundred where I was, you know, just thrilled and happy and excited, or I was like, at zero and everything was terrible and I was and I was crying and whatnot um you know and my parents were you know they were they were loving and they were very supportive but you know as black parents um immigrants to this country they also had some pretty um what I would say some pretty definitive ideas about you know what they wanted for me and where they wanted me to go particularly in terms of my education um so you know I was always or I guess other people describe me as a bright child you know when you're a child you're like I don't know I'm just here living being a kid um you know, so when I first started off in school, like, it was really easy for me. You know, I went into kindergarten knowing how to read, knowing how to write. Like, I was ahead of the curve. I was like, I don't know what all you fools are doing, but I'm reading and writing over here. Um, <laughs> you know, and so in the beginning, I sort of got pegged as, you know, being this very bright, competent student. But as I went further along in school, um, my my performance became increasingly inconsistent. Sometimes I you know, was still performing at a really high level. In other subjects, I was struggling. And I remember that oftentimes my parents and my teachers didn't see it as a struggle. They saw it as I wasn't trying hard enough. Um, you know, I would have struggles, you know, completing my homework or I would, you know, bring something home and I would just be like, I don't, I don't even know how to tackle this. And I would just sort of drop it and be like, well, let me go and focus on the stuff that I, I know how to do and I am good at. And so... I got a lot of, you know, from teachers, well, you know, you're not living up to your potential. You need to try harder. And my parents, you know, really wanted me to be successful in, I guess, what we would consider conventional ways. They wanted me to, you know, perform well at school, get high grades, go to university, um, you know, from there get a high paying job, have that sort of security. And I think they also wanted for people to see me as a valuable person and being black and a girl they had a lot of ang their own anxiety around the fact that you know people were going to see me as less than and so I think they saw education and you know being a high achiever in school as a way for me to you know to sort of overcome that prejudice that other people were going to have and so um yeah they would get really upset when I would come home and you know there would be B's and sometimes there would be C's and I Pretty sure at, at least a couple times in high school there had to be D's because, my God, like, chemistry, I had no clue. Like, <laughs> yikes. Um, and so I developed a lot of anxiety, I think, initially around school. Um, you know, when I knew I wasn't doing as well as people expected me to, that's when I first remember feeling a lot of anxiety. And then... Um, you know, something that I now looking back recognize also as a related depression. And, you know, by the time I was in high school, my self-esteem was very, very low. And I, you know, would always wonder, like, why can't I do this? Like, I want to do better than I am. Why can't I make myself, you know, do this homework? Why can't I make myself more organized than I am? Why do I keep forgetting to do certain assignments? Why can I do so well with certain aspects of school but I can't with others it must be because I'm lazy it must be because I don't care enough it must be because there's something wrong with me like I'm just 
like not, I just must be this lazy person who cannot follow through on things and doesn't like to work hard. I just sort of accepted that because that's what people told me, you know, in one way or another, you're not trying hard enough. You're not trying hard enough. Um, and that was pretty demoralizing because I wanted to try, but it just didn't seem to work. And and I had other issues too. Like I was disorganized um, and, uh, you know, I, yeah, and I was just always, I was an inconsistent performer, I would say, in that way. Okay. So I guess when did you, I guess, seek the advice or help of a medical professional to, uh, to be diagnosed and um, to figure out what was going on and what was the diagnosis? So this has been an ongoing process. Um, so s- probably about 15 years now. Um, I just noticed that, you know, I, like I said, I'd always been an emotional person and, and, and I lived with some degree of anxiety most of my life. But there was a period in my life where I, I really felt like the, my level of anxiety is clearly disproportionate to things that are going on in my life. Like I would, you know, have these physiological symptoms, you know, racing hard and, and like really severe muscle tension and just this feeling of like panic and something terrible is happening. And I'd look around and be like, nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. And so I went to my doctor and we talked about it. And my doctor um, first diagnosed me with anxiety and so suggested, you know, gave me sort of different options. I had a really good doctor, you know, she wasn't quick to just be like, let's get you on medication, go home. You know, she said medication's an option for you. We can look into, you know, therapeutic options. You can do a combination. Um, So I opted to start with therapy and that was helpful. And, um, but I always had these episodes, like I would sort of ebb and flow. Sometimes I would be pretty even and then other times the anxiety would ratchet up. Um, And that was, that went on for a few years and then, Several years later, I, um, I went through a year where I was having a really hard time. Like I was, I was sad a lot and there were things going on. So I didn't necessarily think there was anything wrong until that summer. And I was at a, there was a time in my life where things were actually going very, very well. Um, I had just produced a play and it had opened, um, to relatively positive reviews. You know, it was summer, my favorite time of year. You know, I was, you know, hanging out, uh, doing fringe festival stuff with my friends. And I was, I was, and I remember, I very clearly remember one day I was meeting some friends, you know, like there are people I loved and I walked up the table and my brain kept telling me, nobody wants you here. Everyone here hates you. And I just knew, I was like, what? That doesn't make any sense. There's something wrong with me. So we went back to my doctor, um, and that's when I was diagnosed with depression. And she explained that, yeah, if you live with chronic anxiety, depression is often a comorbidity. And so I was like, okay, great. So I have anxiety and depression, you know, these two things that go together. And so for a long time, I was just like, okay, that's what I have. I just have anxiety and depression, and I'm going to live with them. And, you know, that's the whole story. And so, you know, went through my life, and um, I have a son. And when my son was seven, he was diagnosed with ADHD. And so, you know, as many parents do when they have a child who has some kind of, you know, health issue, you know, I was like, let me learn about ADHD. Let me, you know, read things. Let me educate mm-hmm. myself so I can, you know, better parent him and figure out what he needs. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, 
I was on a website one day and was reading something about, I think, ADHD in adolescence because he's 11 now. And I was like, you know, how might this manifest as he's getting older? And came across an article about ADHD in girls and how it's often um, either misdiagnosed or missed entirely. And I read this profile and it said, you know, with girls, it often tends to be um, issues around inattention as opposed to issues around hyperactivity, which is how it often manifests in boys. And Mm -hmm. so it gets missed because you don't have a child who's bouncing off the walls and running around and, you know, talking all the time. You, you know, may have a child who's still very quiet. Um, You know, a child who, you know, may be very creative and imaginative and daydreams and was like, huh, that sounds familiar. And then they talked about how it often manifests academically as, you know, a child who appears very bright, but has inconsistent performance in school and is often labeled as not living up to their potential, may seem lazy, has problems with disorganization, (laughs) and the wheels are turning. And I'm like, huh. And that And then the next thing I read was that often when ADHD goes undiagnosed, you have this comorbidity with anxiety and depression because a person with undiagnosed ADHD, as they're trying to navigate their everyday life and doing things like, okay, let me get up, let me, you know, check my email, let me get myself ready for work, let me get my child ready for school, those sort of simple everyday tasks that require something called executive functioning are really difficult when you have ADHD. So I was like, huh. (laughs) All right, then. This sounds really, really significant. Um, And so long story short, I managed to find a clinic here in uh, Toronto that um, does fairly extensive testing. Um, They do... um, they do psychiatric testing and then they also do um, like academic testing, like they test your IQ and whatnot and they come up with a pretty extensive profile. And so I got a referral to the clinic and I went, you know, for several sessions and did all of these different tests and spent a lot of time talking to a psychiatrist um, and came away and he was like, yeah, you have ADHD. Um, You have what, there are are three subtypes of ADHD. There's um, hyperactive, the hyperactive subset, which is the bouncing off the walls, like can't sit still kind. Um, There's the impulsive type, which is just, I'm just going to do things and I can't really sort of think about the consequences of my actions. I'll just act and then be like, Mm -hmm. okay. And then there's the inattentive type, which is the type that I have, um, which just, it makes it difficult for me to focus on certain types of tasks um and what's interesting is it's called inattentive but one of the features of it is that you also have something called hyperfocus, which is when you're very interested and engaged in something you become so focused that it's hard for you to pull yourself away and and do other things that which sounds is, like me yeah yeah <laughs> you know when i get into you know when i get into writing or i'm like fascinated by a topic or you know i'm painting or doing something that i'm really passionate about it's like the whole world goes away and it's just that thing um which is why you have things like the um inconsistent school performance so for the topics that i was really interested in i was like i want to read everything i want to learn about this i'm really engaged i hear everything you're saying and when it's something that doesn't interest me it's really hard for me to hold focus it's really Mm -hmm. hard um so that diagnosis was really recent that was like three months ago i got that diagnosis but 
you know, when they explained to, were able to explain to me in depth how that manifests and how that's probably manifested throughout my life, it was like, oh, I was like, this is like a big piece. It felt like a big piece of a puzzle, of the puzzle of who I am that just sort of clicked into place. And I was like, ah, ha, makes sense now. Totally makes sense. So did you develop, like, before they diagnosed it, did you develop little tricks to kind of uh, help you along the way? Or I did, and I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. I just thought, oh, okay, I'm, I'm just living. Um, so, you know, I have tricks even now that naturally my natural inclination is that I'm not an organized person at all. And so a way I've found of compensating for that is being extremely organized in certain facets of my life and I'm a very um visual person so for example um you know I always used to organize my books on my bookshelf in alphabetical order and I couldn't find my books and so what I figured out a few years ago is I was like let me organize them by color because I recognize color and I remember what my books look like so my bookshelf is organized by color. <laughs> I think JR's mind is blown right now. I do that with my CDs. Like like I used to do my DVDs and CDs and my records. I do by color. Oh my gosh, you just blew my mind. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's that's how my bookshelf is organized. I do a lot of color coding in my life. So if you look at my, my agenda, I've yeah. seen your agenda. You know, I have different colors for um, different categories of items. Um, I recently discovered something called bullet journaling, which is just a way of keeping like lists and dates and and all sorts of things in a way that's sort of more organic to someone who has like a more scattered mind um so I have a lot of little organizational tricks like that but what's interesting is if I don't work within those parameters I've given myself I'm like an epic disaster um for example I have a spot where I always put my keys when I come home um it's my key bowl and I put my keys in the bowl because I'm like that's where my keys are but if for some reason I come home and, you know, say my son's talking to me or the phone rings and I don't put my keys in the key bowl, I have no idea where they are. Like, literally no idea. It's like it never happened. I'm like, they're in the house somewhere, but I'm like they could be in the dryer for all I know. <laughs> um, so I found I need to be super organized or I don't know what's going on. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just one example of like a way I've found of compensating for my scattered brain. So in the last three months, what, what things have you done in the last three months, I guess, since the diagnosis to kind of Im improve your, your life? So one of the, the major thing that I did is for the first time in my life, I am actually on medication now. I never um, taken any medication to deal with my other mental health issues. And so I'm on a low dose of a medication called Wellbutrin. Yeah. And um, yeah, you and I have talked about we that. We talked and about that. Yeah. It did not, it did not work well for me. It wasn't your me. thing. I and was, um, it was, I was given it for uh, depression about okay. two years ago and um, I ended up having paralysis and like loss of speech. So it was like a bit of a shit show. Which is really severe me. because it's, it's a rare side effect, but one of the side effects can be seizures or like mm -hmm. pretty serious neurological issues. So mm -hmm. Yeah, if you're having those kind of issues and you don't want to go there. But it's working well for you. It's working really well for me. I'm not having any side effects. And it's not that it's completely transformed my brain. You know, I'm not suddenly somebody who's like, my executive functioning is on point. Um, but what it's done for me is it's definitely diminished a lot of my anxiety, which is which does not help 
when you have a mind that is sort of already struggling to do things like just kind of, you know, keep organized or keep focused. So it's really taken the edge of my anxiety, which has then allowed me to, you know, implement some more of those strategies that kind of help me stay organized and work through my day. It also really helps, you know, when I inevitably like, you know, go off the rails, which I will, I've just sort of accepted that that's my brain is different than other people's and functions mm -hmm. that way. It doesn't cause me as much anxiety as it used to. I'm just like, okay, this is the thing that happened. It's a little messy. I drop the ball. It's fine. Pick up the ball. Keep going. As opposed to, yeah. I drop the ball. My life is over. This is a <laughs> catastrophe. Um, it's helped in that way. And it does kind of, it, it makes it a little bit easier for me to focus. Like I can still tell, like naturally, my, my brain is kind of still ping-ponging. And I'm like, oh, I'm reading this book. Something shiny. Woohoo. Um, but I can pull myself back to mm. my tasks a little bit more easily. And so just having that edge taken off has already made a tremendous difference where I'm like, all right, I'm just a little bit calmer. Um, my brain is still busy, but not, it doesn't feel like a runaway freight train anymore. It feels more like a sports car now, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So but how hard was it to make that decision that to, to actually take medication? Um, in one way, I would say it really, was really easy, and in another way, it was really hard because, like I said, I have had various mental um, health diagnoses for 15 years, and it took me 15 years to get to the point where I was like, all right, let me take some medication. Um, and so in that way, it took me a long time, and I couldn't even tell you why I was particularly resistant to medication because I, you know, I, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it in theory, but I think I was afraid that for some reason that if I took it, it would change me in some way and I wouldn't be me anymore. I get that. You get like it? You, okay. Because when you first take, I find when you first are on medication, you aren't you. Like you're kind of in a zombie-like state. Like I'm heavily medicated. So like I tend to be in a bit of a zombie-like state like when okay. I'm getting weaned back on because I'll go off of it thinking I'm fine. Right. And I could function. But I know in all reality, I need to stay on my meds even one or two days right of missing or skipping like you feel completely differently yeah i i missed taking my medication one day in these past few months and i felt it i was like oh i don't feel i don't feel well th today um but yeah i i i think i just had this low-key irrational fear that I was going to take this medication and then I would not be Nadine anymore and in a weird way I was actually afraid like it would work and I would feel better but I would have a different personality and then I would have to make this choice between feeling okay and, and being, being this person, person that I that I value and cherish myself mm -hmm. to be um but by the time I got to the ADHD diagnosis I was struggling like I was really struggling I was tired like I was just tired of waking up every single day and you know having to go through so much just to like be able to think and like do the things that I needed to do it was so much effort and I was so tired and so at that point I was just like you'll try anything. I'll do anything like I will I will do anything <laughs> yeah. at this point because I can't do this by myself anymore you know I had everything else in place I was like you know I've, I've you know 
I exercise regularly. I'm, you know, I'm pretty good, you know, in terms of my, of what I eat. Um, you know, I was like, I have an amazing therapist. I have like a supportive home life with my husband. I have, you know, supportive friends. I have everything else that's supposed to be in place to help your mental health and it's not enough. And the psychiatrist that I saw, um, as I was getting diagnosed said, you know, all of those other things are helpful and important. And all those things are the reasons that I think you will be successful moving forward, but on their own, sometimes they're not enough. And that the medication can really facilitate these other things helping you more than they are. So if you're open to it, we can try it. And I was like, yes, please give me whatever you have at this point. I was like, I don't care. I'll try. And I got really lucky um, because, you know, we talked about the fact that like with you, Wellbutrin doesn't work for everyone. And no, that, you know, we might have to, you know, tweak try, it. tweak and, or maybe try something else entirely. And it was going to be a process. And I just got lucky. And the first thing that I tried has so far worked. And that is, that is in the medication world. That is lucky. Cause it's just like a, we're like kind of guinea pigs a little right. bit. And, and everyone's body chemistry is different. And you never know you what's going to work or what's not going to work. The side effects. Like I've had some gnarly side effects. Like, and in the past, like I've had not great luck with just completely other kinds of medications, which is maybe why I was nervous about trying it too. Like, you know, years ago when I was on the pill, like it just fucked me up like six ways from Sunday and, you know, other medications I've had when I've been in the hospital. Like, yeah, I've had like really intense side mm -hmm. effects. And so I was prepared for this to be, you know, months and months of trying different things, but it, it worked. It worked. That's good. Thank you, ancestors. <laughs> Praise the ancestors. So how... How has having ADHD affected your your professional, your work life? Um, it's made certain things really challenging. So I, I work for myself as a sexuality educator. And when you work for yourself, um, you know, there's the part of my job that I love where I'm like, I get to, you know, make my job whatever I want it to be. And so, you know, I create a lot of, you know, different content. I create videos and I, you know, uh, write workshops and, you know, all of that stuff is great. Like that's, you know, where I'm, you know, firing on all cylinders. That's how I am naturally. But then there's all this other stuff in running a business like, you know, keeping receipts and filing your taxes. <laughs> That's what I and, have JR yeah, for. Yeah, <laughs> and having a social, you know, having a marketing strategy and, you know, keeping a schedule and managing your time. And I'm not good at any of that stuff. That stuff does not come naturally to me. Um, and I think even if I did not have an ADHD brain, that's just not the way that I function. It's not the stuff that interests me. Um, but with an ADHD brain, I'm just like, oh my God. Um, so thank goodness I have a partner who, th those are all of his strengths. He's organized, he's meticulous, he's good with money. Um, he, the last night he did our taxes because he likes doing taxes. Like he does that stuff for fun. <laughs> so weird. So I know. Um, I like doing but taxes. Like bless him because he's, he's a really great supportive person to have in my life. And so not, like I, I'll be real, like not infrequently in my work business life, those sort of practical aspects will often kind of get away from me and then I'll, you know, have a little crisis where I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, uh, I I was supposed to be keeping receipts and I, I forgot to like <laughs> store, I don't know where I put my receipts and I didn't, I forgot to keep a bunch of them and what do I do? Um, you know, and 
I'll have people in my life who are like, okay, let's try and help you and like maybe try a new system of filing and keeping things and whatnot. So I think that's going to be an ongoing process and struggle for me in my business. Um, now that I know what's going on with my brain, um, something that I'm really looking forward to is sort of maybe discovering systems that may not work for other people, but might work for me. Because most of my life, I've tried to force myself to emulate, you know, models of organization, record keeping, time management, um, that I think work for um, neurotypical people. And I'm not neurotypical. So it was like, I may have to discover different ways of doing things. Well... Nadine, that was quite a story, and I really appreciate you telling it. Thank you for inviting me to tell it. I love telling my story because I like to talk a lot. You and me both, honey. Well, if you guys want to reach out to Nadine, show your love and support, and maybe talk to her about mental health, JR, tell them how they can reach her and us. Yeah, definitely. You can reach us at dish at daintydish.com. That's D-Y-S-H at daintydish, D-A-I-N-T-Y-D. <laughs> yeah, I love when I messed that up. Daintydish.com, D-A-I-N-T-Y-D-Y-S-H.com. You can also check us out on Best of Onika and Best of JR on Instagram. I'm just doing everything backwards today. I'm just being thrown it's off. It's a backwards kind of day. It's all know. kinds it's, of crazy. It's all kinds of crazy, I guess. Yeah, definitely. So uh, what's going on on OnikaDainty.com? I got some poetry, some short stories, or not short stories, blogs, and um, journal entries going on on the, the website right now. So definitely check them out. They're personal and dear to my heart. And there's some good stuff on there. Wicked. Uh, well, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please... Uh, Give us a five. We deserve a five. <laughs> and subscribe. If you're listening to us on you know YouTube, SoundCloud, or any other platform, thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe there and give us a like or give us a comment. We really appreciate it. And Onika will definitely respond to your comments. Oh, I will. All right. Well, that's it for me. Well, it has been all kinds of crazy Wednesdays, second Wednesday of every month. Don't you forget it. And I hope you all have yourselves a very, very happy hump day.